turn in your Bibles to Psalm 133. And as we're beginning this year, we've been doing Habits of Grace and focusing on uh, kind of the core things about our ministry and about our body here. And so tonight we're going to be talking about unity, um, leading to a little tool that we've used before. I don't think anything I'm going to say tonight is going to be new, Um, so it's more of a reminder, but I hope you'll be able to take this um, with you through the rest of this year as we live together, deciding to live in unity. So Psalm 133 Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore." Now, this is one of the Psalms of Ascent. So as they were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they would be singing these Psalms together. So the picture you are to have here is a group of people going together and singing these songs, kind of like we just did a few minutes ago as we came together singing praise to God. So the psalm here is is painting a picture and sharing with us the emotion of that moment as they are singing together uh, how good it is to dwell together in unity. Even as we're singing, isn't that a wonderful thing as we sing together and we harmonize together and you sense that emotion of that unity? And that's the picture that this psalm is trying to to build and allow us to see. And then you see these two similes that are used, which kind of put a downer on it for a moment. Because it says, It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that just makes me so excited. Now, it might be fun to see us, you know, pour um, oil over the head, like essential oils over the head of, say, Rob Kowak, and um, seeing it run down over his beard. But to the people in Israel that were singing this song, this would have been a beautiful thing, because this isn't just any old beard, and it's not just any old oil. This was oil that was set aside specifically for this purpose of blessing. This was Aaron, the priest. Only the priests were to be given this anointing that would cover their head and would run down their beard. And it says here in our ESV, it's the collar. But really, it was most likely it was the hem the hem of his garment. So they were saturating Aaron with his oil. Yes, a lot of oil. And it was just saturating him. And that is a picture. It's a picture of the calling that God had given to his people. He had set them apart. This was a holy oil. And that signified the setting apart Aaron was being set apart, and this oil signified that. 
So as they were singing about this oil coming down over Aaron, the picture that's in their mind is we are set apart. We are a special people. How wonderful it is to dwell together in the unity of this special community that is the people of God, God's chosen people. So as they were going up singing this song, what a beautiful picture for them in Aaron and the oil, saturating him. So what is our calling here for us is our calling of unity. We have a calling of unity that we are God's chosen people and we have been given the power of living in unity. Jesus, in John 17, in his prayer, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, and that they may be one even as we are one I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me I think one of the things we need to take from this prayer is that Jesus was making a request of the father that we would be one do you think the father is going to answer the prayer of the Son. Yes. Unity is not something that we build for Jesus. It isn't something, okay, well, we better start working on our unity so that we can have unity. (laughs) No, it's like Aaron's beard. It's like the oil coming over him. The unity has been, that is our job. It's been created. God has created his chosen people. He has set apart his people. They are unified. We have unity. It exists. It's not something we create. It's something we live in. The unity is always and already there. We just have to claim it and live in it. So we're not creating unity at Subaru Baptist Church. We are deciding to live in the unity that Jesus prayed for. And that is why we should seek to be unified. Not because we're earning something from it. Not because we're going to be a better church if we live together in unity. We live together in unity because that was the prayer of Jesus. It is the desire of Jesus that we would be unified. So we have the calling of unity and then the blessing of unity. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So as we're coming up in Israel there, it was arid, um, dry during the the dry season, but even during the time when everything else was dry, Mount Hermon stayed green. And often there would be clouds that would come, and you can see this happen here in Greenville. We're kind of in a little bowl, 
And so you'll see a front coming over the mountains. And then it comes and it drops water on us. So Mount Hermon was a sign of blessing. It was green all the time. So if you were in the arid, if you were hot, um, it's just like in Greenville with Traveler's Rest. Why is it called Traveler's Rest? Because people would travel from Greenville up to Saluda, where it was cooler, up in the mountains. And they would ride the Swamp Rabbit, which was a train that would go up to Saluda from Greenville. And they would stop. That was one of the stops, was Traveler's Rest. Uh, Why? They wanted to leave the humidity of Greenville and get up to Saluda, where it was cooler. That was Mount Hermon. The blessing of coolness, relief. What a wonderful picture of our unity. The blessings that God gives. The relaxation in the greenness of our unity. The water that blesses us and causes things to grow. That is the picture of what our unity should be. Now, there are challenges to our unity, and we can find that very clearly stated in James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? We have a calling to unity, a unity that exists. It's waiting for us to live in that unity. We have blessings that will come from that when we decide to live in that unity. But then there is the challenge that we are simple people and we want to go our own way. And rather than deciding to live in unity, we start thinking of ourselves. We start thinking about our own passions. We start thinking about our own desires And then that desire doesn't match up with someone else's desire. And what happens? We begin to have discordance. We begin to lose the realization of the unity that we are to be living in. So how do we do this? How do we have these different ideas that come up? And some of them, you look and say, how am I supposed to live in unity when I just I don't see how I can agree with so-and-so sitting across the aisle from me. Well, that's where I want us to see that there is a tool that we can look at um, for living together in unity. And it is called the triage. Uh, And we've heard this, at least I know, of two sermons. And then I've taught in Sunday school, and we've covered this topic. But this is so important. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at this tool for unity. So I have a little graph. There are all kinds of different graphs, but this is one that um, I created for that Sunday school class. And I hope you'll be able to see it once we get there. Uh, You shouldn't see words, okay? You're okay. There are no words yet. Um, But we're going to build through this triage. You know what a triage is. It's when you're on the battlefield and all of a sudden soldiers start coming in on the ambulances. Uh, Someone has to decide who are we going to work with first. We have some emergency room nurses in our church. 
and they probably experience triage on a regular basis. More than one person comes into the emergency room, who are we going to treat first? The person who has the greatest need is probably the one that we're going to focus on first. And the others will come in later as we're able to work them in. Well, triage in this case, in a doctrinal triage, or a, um, I call it a conscience triage, is important for us to focus on what is the most important thing going out to those things that aren't that important. So the first thing we'll see is core doctrine. Core doctrine is something that if you are a believer, you've got to believe this, okay? The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. If he's not born of a virgin, then who is he? Uh, There are core doctrines that we must hold on to. Uh, The inspiration of scripture, that's another one. You can go down the list of all those core doctrines that we as a church, there's no way to budge when it comes to whether or not we are going to have unity, live in unity on those matters. If you can't agree to live according to those then you shouldn't be a part of this church. And I would say you shouldn't be a part of any church that is believing and teaching the gospel because these are the core foundational doctrines. Now, we are not going to have time to go through what all they are. Uh, But uh, I'm, I'm getting together with Rob, and we're doing a... Rob, Bob. And we're going through a book on doctrine. I would encourage you, Uh, I can show you the same book that we're working on. Get together. Start reading that book together. Understand what your core doctrines are. How can you know whether you're living in in unity on core doctrines if you don't know what they are? So we need to know what our core doctrines are. Core doctrines are those things that are reflecting the unity of all Christians. We come into these doctrines, and that shows our unity. We are all in agreement on those things. Those are the ones where that's the most important thing. When you come into the ER, your core doctrine is the first one that's going to get you into the operating table. We need to get you in. That is the most important thing. Second one is what I call corporate distinctives. That's what makes a Baptist a Baptist, what makes a Presbyterian a Presbyterian. Uh, There are distinctives where we may agree completely on those core doctrines, but there are certain things that will begin to separate us as believers as we come into different churches. They are things that we may um, disagree with each other um, lovingly. And we will say, I understand what you're saying, and you see that interpretation of Scripture. I see this interpretation. This is how we are choosing to come together corporately. So we are a Baptist church. So we are going to, believe, we are going to have believers' baptism. That, if you are going to join our church... You are going to come into our church 
as a regenerated believer who is baptized. And we would throw the immersion in there as well, that the correct mode of baptism is immersion. That is a distinctive of Subaru Baptist Church. Now, does that mean that a church that does not hold to that distinctive is not a good Christian church? No, it doesn't. Um, We can disagree, but we form ourselves together in unity around those things. So it helps our unity as a local body to say, yes, we agree on these things. The Presbyterian believes in baptism. The Baptist believes in baptism. It's just how do we carry it out becomes the question. Um, But baptism would be that distinctive. Now, can you be a Christian and not be baptized? Yes. And that's why baptism would not be a core doctrine. But it is a corporate distinctive that you need to get with the people who are walking the same way you are. (laughs) Because if you can't, then there will be disunity. Um, Then... That's the distinctive positions for the local body. And then the one where the rubber meets the road for us in the body. Because really, the core doctrines, I imagine most everyone here agrees on core doctrines. Even our corporate distinctives. Uh, You probably wouldn't be a member of Super Road Baptist Church if you didn't hold to the core distinctives that we have as a body. But then there are these things called Friendly disagreements. And I used to call it matters of conscience. But then I realized that all of these are matters of conscience. Uh, So these are just friendly disagreements that we have as believers. And these are disputable matters about applications. A word here about the conscience. And can't spend a lot of time here. But let me, let's play a word association. Beatles. Okay. When I said that word, there's all kinds of things that could come to your mind. If you are a car buff, you probably thought of a little rounded car. If you are a music buff, you probably had a little song start popping into your head. If you hate bugs... You are probably thinking of a little black thing running around scaring you. Now, why do you think that way? It's because of your experience. You have been shaped by your experience. And your experience causes you to react to things in different ways. Let's just take that music Beatles, for instance. The Beatles. Uh, You probably, oh yeah, that was some cool music. And then others of you are going to say, oh, that was the downfall of Western civilization. (laughs) You are going to respond differently. Why? Because you have had different experiences with that word, with those five mop-headed kids. You have a different experience, and that is shaped how you respond. That happens in so many things, and that is your conscience. 
Do not confuse the conscience with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit will use your conscience if your conscience is trained by the word of God. The conscience must be trained by this in order to know how to deal with these. And when we look in the word of God and we see that there are certain things where we may come to a conclusion that our brother across the aisle does not come to that same conclusion. And we look in the word and it doesn't say thou shalt not. We are our conscience shapes. So there may be some here today who their conscience is like, oh, wow. I couldn't eat that, or I couldn't listen to that. And then there are others whose conscience says, "What? hey, whatever God made is good. I'm going to eat that, or I'm going to listen to this. The problem comes when they start looking at each other, and they start saying, well, he's not living for the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit is telling me that that is wrong. Is it the Holy Spirit telling you that it's wrong? Or is it your conscience that is telling you it's wrong? Your conscience is fallible. It can give you wrong messages. Make sure your conscience is in line with the word. And be willing to let go of things where you have shaped your conscience by your experience. The word Beatles, you know, it could be, well, yeah, that's that car that was created by Nazis instead of the cute little round car. A black bug was worshipped by the Egyptians. That's evil. We can take everything from our experience and put stuff on things and our conscience says that's wrong. Now, if your conscience says don't drive a VW Beetle, don't do it. Listen to your conscience. Obey your conscience. But if someone else drives up in their super Beetle, hey, John, John has a Beetle. Repent. Um, if John drives up in his beetle love him it doesn't bother his conscience to drive that Nazi mobile (laughs) love John accept him let your conscience allow other people to live according to their conscience just not in those core things Those you cannot give away. So living together is is looking at this triage and saying, what are these things that we cannot budge on? And what are those things that bring us together as a community? And we've all agreed on it. Look at our church covenant. There's your corporate distinctives. We come together and live together in those Look at your statement of faith, the church's statement of faith. There are your doctrines that we follow that help us to live together in unity. But when it comes to these friendly disagreements, 
let it go. Let it go. Love. That's what our command is to live in unity. So we can decide to live together in unity. God has created the unity. He has answered Jesus' prayer. We are unified in Christ. Now let's decide to live that way and be willing to show grace to one another in these friendly disagreements. Father, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to live together in unity. It's just an exciting thing to know that this unity is a supernatural gift. It isn't something that we are creating for you. It's something that you have gifted to us. If only we will live in what you have created. If we would take ourselves away from those things that cause our passions to rise, that cause our own desires to get in the way of what you have already created. Help us to learn to love. Help us to be able to put away these disputable things and to love one another, to show grace to one another just as you have showed grace to us. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit through the work that Jesus has done for us as we give our great Father glory for the the oil that runs down, that sets us apart from the world. May the world see us unified, loving one another, and be drawn to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.